Blitz Period is a production of BNM Media and brought to you by Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blitz Period. And today we're going to dive a little bit into some softball talk, some uh, unfortunately some basketball talk, and some slight football talk. And the reason I say slight is because there's literally been nothing going on in the football world this weekend. Uh, I'm sorry, this week for the Sooners. I'm recording this on Friday. Funny story, I actually recorded this yesterday, but turns out I recorded and there was zero audio. So I was basically just talking to my Self the entire time. Um, but thankfully, some football news came out after that episode. So I actually have to get to talk some football today because this has been the quietest week of Oklahoma football in a long time. And by long time, I mean like years. There's been rarely any activity besides offers being thrown out. You had no commits. You had no, I don't think, yeah, you had no visits. Uh, because coaches are some coaches are out on vacations right now and things like that. Uh, coaches are spending time with their families, much needed, and all that good stuff. So uh, we're going to take a look into some of the other sports. Um, you know, as I've mentioned in the past, that we will have some guests on uh, here in the coming weeks. We should have one on next week. I'm not sure yet; still working that out. But we definitely will have some guests on throughout the off season, just to keep football in the inner circle. So. Um, Getting into it, I'm going to start off softball. Um, we're going to talk about the winning program real quick. Uh, the softball girls got the wins. The wins got the wins last night over uh, Liberty and Duke. They beat Duke four to nothing. Beat Liberty one zero, uh, and that that Liberty game was a dogfight from the jump. I mean, it was it was a zero zero game all the way up until the eighth inning, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe Alyssa Brito had the game winning run for Oklahoma. But uh and the first game against Duke was a little bit better. As I mentioned, they won the game four to nothing. Uh the Mark Campbell invitational. You know, the interesting thing about this OU softball team is, you know, Patty Gasso and, and Patty Gasso does what every great coach does. Every great coach is going to say this kind of stuff to the media. The stuff is in like, you know, they can't expect to come into the season and be walking to another national championship. It's, it's, you know, the way that we talked about it with Alabama and Nick Saban when they were at the height of their dynasty, you knew they were going to slap the crap out of everybody. They were going to go win another one, but Nick Saban wouldn't tell you that. Patty Gasso's doing the same thing. She won't tell you that. But as fans, we know that's really what they want to say. Because when you look at this team on paper, it's hard not to. Because, I mean, here's all you need to know. Half of your starting rotation and not only that, but you've got, I believe the number is eight. It's seven or eight players on watch li- on the watch list for the National Player of the Year. Newsflash, guys, that's pretty freaking good for our college softball program. And not even just softball, any college sport. If you had five players on your football team that were preseason Heisman favorites, or basketball, you had, you know, your entire starting lineup was preseason Naismith Award winner. Uh, uh, favorites, that's like, that's incredible. For this softball team, you're talking about Jada Coleman, Tiari Jennings, um, Grace Lyons, Kenzie Hansen, 
uh, Jordy Ball, Sidney Sanders, Haley Lee, and I know I'm forgetting another name. I think that was it right there. But uh, as I mentioned, Sidney Sanders, Sidney Sanders had a run last night against Duke. Uh, she actually had the second one. Grace Lines had the third. And uh, by the way, just real quick, guys, for these games that are on Flow Softball, don't pay for that. Okay, y'all go listen to these games. You got to go old school. Just listen on the radio. Listen to my guy, to my guy Chris Plank. Shout out to Plank, my guy right there. Listen to him on the franchise radio. He calls the games. Um, and even if I mean, even when the games are on ESPN, and you just want to turn the commentators off. Listen to Plank. He does a great job. The voice of OU softball. Uh, he's a legend in the community. So shout out to Plank. And Plank is actually one of the guys that um, that we are going to plan on having on here soon. Um, but that's besides the point. Anyway, uh, back to this. So this softball team is really good. Um, and and it's, it's kind of funny when you think about it because, I mean, you've got two of the top three teams in the country are your rivals, Oklahoma State and Texas. Two very good softball programs. Oklahoma State, I believe they play today, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they're playing in Mexico, actually. So they're pimping all over the world. But this season's going to be really interesting from a standpoint of just how how star-studded this team is. I mean, compared to some of the talent that's out there. Um, I know that there's going to be a bit, the OU-Texas game is going to be huge uh, in March, I believe. And uh, a game is going to be played in Oklahoma City at, uh, at Merida Hines North. So that's going to be a fun series to follow. And for this softball team right now, it's like, you know, as I like I said, it's hard to really think that this team can't go all the way. And I mean, you saw a few struggles last night, but that kind of stuff's going to happen. Like when you talk about who the true face of this team last year, we looked at this team. And we saw, you know, the face of this team, Jocelyn, Jocelyn, Jocelyn Olo. Sorry, let me say that over again. Jocelyn Olo was the face of this team a season ago. And I don't think that was there was any question about that. Everybody knew that. This year, you can point to a lot of different people. You can talk about Jada Coleman. You can talk about Tiara Jennings. You can talk about um, Jordy Ball. You can talk about Grace Lines or Kenzie Hansen. Whoever you want to pick, just pick one. You can't go wrong either way. Like If I had a personal opinion, I'd probably say it's Jada Coleman. But you're looking at this team on the surface, and it's it's insane what Patty Gasso's done with the softball program. Uh, I don't think there's any question that Patty Gasso deserves some type of huge commemoration on campus, on campus, whether it's a statue or, uh, you know, I know Love's Field is in the works, but who cares? Love's Field at Patty Gasso Stadium. I don't know. She needs something. She deserves it. I mean, she's built an absolute juggernaut with this softball team. Um, you know, I mean, six national championships. She, she probably is the greatest coach in any athletic uh you know, you can go history. I don't care. But definitely in the last 10, 20 years, you can go as much as I love Bobby Stoops, like what Patty Gasso has done is incredible. But uh, getting back to the downside of things, um, Oklahoma basketball is not doing very well. And um, this comes after a loss to Baylor on Wednesday night. And I'm recording this before tomorrow's matchup against Kansas. The defending national champions are coming to town. And the last time that they played this Kansas team, it was a close game. It wasn't a blowout. They had them on the ropes for pretty much the entire game. And then uh, what happens in Lawrence, Kansas happened where, you know, you have officiating in Fog Island Fieldhouse doesn't always go your way. And they end up losing that game. I've already talked about Grant Sherfield took that just bad game winning attempt uh, there in the last few seconds. But. 
Kansas coming to town this week, and it's the start of a rough schedule. Last five games of the year are not easy, not even close. Um, you know, you've got to take on Kansas State twice on the road and at home. Texas Tech is coming to town. Iowa State, I think they're going to Hilton Coliseum, if I'm not mistaken. And TCU, once again, TCU's coming to Norman. And TCU was the game, I think, where everybody really, like, fell off a cliff about the whole Porter Mosier thing. But um, and Porter Mosier is another subject, too. I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later. I know I put a video out on the Instagram account this week discussing a lot of that entire situation. And I do want to talk a little bit more about that. But um, Kansas is coming into this game after a win over Texas this past Monday. They beat Texas by eight. And Texas is... Texas ain't a bad team either. I mean, they're sitting at 19 and five right now. And um, they're coming into this game pretty hot, 19 and five at the moment. This meeting is being recorded. I mean, you talk about uh, Jalen Wilson, uh, Grady Dick, uh, Kevin, Kevin McClure. I think his name's Kevin. Uh, I mean, they're loaded team. And Jalen Wilson actually struggled in that game. He only had two points. Uh, shot horribly, by the way, one of seven from the field. But uh, Grady Dick is also a really good player. I mean, he had 21 in that game against Texas. He's been exceptional all season. Uh, he's coming into this game averaging around 14, 15 a game. So there's a lot to worry about for this OU team who the past few weeks has been have played really poor. And, and, like, and take the Alabama game out of the equation, they've played really poor, which still baffles me how they beat Alabama. I don't know what... Maybe Alabama just like woke up on the wrong side of the bed that morning, but there's no way Alabama should have lost to this team because this team now, like I, you know, I sound like a Debbie Downer and I know that, but here's the thing about the Baylor game. Like, I don't think the Baylor game was just awful. I thought they, they definitely played a lot better than they have over the last few games. It still wasn't just like great, but it was better than what they, what they had been doing. It was better than Oklahoma state. It was better than, um, than TCU. It was better than all that. But an issue in this game, the biggest issues were turnovers and free throws. Couldn't make free throws, shot 50% from the charity stripe, if I'm not mistaken, and turned the ball over 14 times. So turnovers were a big issue last year, and we talked about that all the time, and they continue to be the case now. Like, I know we all want to attack Porter Mosier, but I don't know if it's really like his fault that they lost a game against Baylor because I don't know what he's supposed to do because I would assume that he's teaching them how to make free throws. Like every basketball team does that in practice. You, you shoot free throws. Some guys will do the thing where like they don't leave the facility until they make a hundred free throws or whatever like that. Uh, and then the turnover thing. I mean, that's, that's an offensive thing. And like Porter Mosier, I, if I remember correctly, when he came in, like his specialty was defense. That's what everybody talked about was just how great of a coach he was when it came to defense. But Oklahoma's been pretty freaking bad on the defensive end this year. And part of that is probably because of the players that they got. Like I know we talk about, you know, we look at it with football. We talk about how the old team was soft. Like, okay, here's, here's, here's the where I say football and basketball correlate for a second. Some of y'all may remember when I wrote that piece this off or not this off season during the season after the West Virginia game, I put out uh, an article 
basically saying that the OU football team was soft and they had no dogs on this group at all. There was not a player that could come in the locker room and rally the troops and get in somebody's face and say, hey, we got to pick this, you know what up. Like they were, they could not, they didn't have anybody like that. And even if they did, and I know like guys like Justin Broyles, he was that guy. He was that, he was a leader. He's a natural born leader. Everybody knows that. Problem is you can have those kind of guys in your locker room, but you probably also have guys that don't want to hear hear that you have guys that are like man we we're not listening to you buddy like you 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 have one tackle we're not listening to what you got to say in a basketball format it's like dude you're shooting over 11 from the field right now you turn the ball over five times we're not listening to you tell us we need to pick it up that kind of stuff can happen with this basketball team it really doesn't look like you have any dogs so i say that you don't you plain and simple you don't have any dogs at all um you know and i think yeah Part of that does fall on Port Mosher because in basketball, it's a little bit different. You don't have an entire support staff like you do in football when it comes to this recruiting stuff. You've got Porter and then you've got like two or three other guys. And I'm pretty sure it's more than that. But just off the top of my head, Porter Mosher is responsible for bringing these guys in. And I said it last week. I don't think that there's like zero talent on this basketball team. Jalen Hill, I think, is a good player. Grant Sherfield is a good player. He's proved that he was super productive when he coming from Nevada. Jalen Hill was Gatorade player of the year coming out of high school. Tanner Groves was a good player. Like we know that we saw that when he was at Eastern Washington. And even last year, he wasn't terrible, but he also wasn't great. I don't think he was what we were expecting him to be. Jacob Groves has just been very meh. Um, I mean, Otega Owe, Miles Yuzan, we talked about those two. Joe Bamisil, we know, like, well, we don't really know because the guy hasn't played. But the thing about Joe Bamisil is, like, Joe Bamisil must have just, like, ransacked Porter Moser's house or something because this was the first time we got to see Bamisil really do something. And Bamisil's a player who transferred in. If I believe, if I'm correct, he averaged, like, 17 a game at the last school he was at. I believe that's accurate. I could be wrong. but. That's what I remember posting. And he was a very productive player. I think a lot of people thought that he was going to come into the season and be a dude from the jump, but that wasn't the case. And now you're seeing, like, the guy should have been playing more. And I don't know why he wasn't. Like, I know Porter talked about it a lot, but it's like, hey, that's fine, but your team sucks right now. You just get somebody out there. I know a few people have reached out about the rumors of Porter Motion in Notre Dame and honest truth, guys, like I'm not as plugged into the uh, basketball program as I am with football. So I can't provide a lot of insight on that at all. Like, I don't know if there's any truth that obviously there's truth to the rumor that Notre Dame is pursuing Porter Mosier, but I don't know if there's truth to that tweet that came out about Mosier having mutual interests and stuff like that. But at the same time, I could see it because here's the thing. Porter Mosier walked into a conference that is incredible. It's the best conference in basketball and college basketball. It is what SEC football is to us is what Big 12 basketball is to everybody else. Okay, It's Big 12 versus all y'all. That's how it is. Porter Mosier is coming from a program that, be quite honest, what, what was the name of the conference? I think they came from... Was it like the Missouri Valley Conference or something like that? He's coming from a mid-major school. Okay, like the Final Four run, all that's great. Okay, but that kind of stuff happens once in a blue moon. It doesn't happen every two every year. Well, I mean, 
Cinderella story to do. But like teams like Loyola going to the final four every year don't happen. You can't hire that coach and expect that to happen here because, yeah, you're going to endure some bumps and bruises and you endured some of those last season. But for Porter Mosier coming in from a mid-major program, he walked into a program that was, one, not really in good shape when Mon Kruger retired because you lost so much. Devion Harmon was gone. Austin Reeves was going to the draft. And I think he also could have came back, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, you lost you lost a lot of pieces. And he had to replace those, those pieces. You brought in Jordan Goldwire. You had Mo Gibson already here. You had Elijah Harkless. You had a really nice roster. But that team also failed to make the tournament. Now, again, I say that they should have made the tournament because they, I mean, they weren't a bad team a year ago. They 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 had like, what was it, five top 25 wins that season? They were a real, they were a good team, but got beaten the NIT. And you lost Mo Gibson, you lost Elijah Harkless. Mo Gibson left and went to a school that, quite frankly, I don't even know what conference they're in. But he's doing about the same stuff he was doing at Oklahoma. Elijah Harkless went back home to Las Vegas, so that, that makes sense. But, but you lost two really important players. Now here's where the way I look at it. Listen, I still don't really say that like Porter Mosier needs to go and needs to be on the first train smoking out of Norman by tomorrow. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that Mosier is going to need a sit down at the end of the season of uh, do you think you can do this because here's what i think i think Mosier's a good basketball coach again he's proved it he proved it at loyola okay not everybody gets schools like that to the final four but and and i'm and Mosier i know is a great guy too but can he coach at this bas- this level of basketball it's different it's just it's like with brent venables it's like this now I'm not going to say it again because I say it a hundred times a day that I think Brent Venables is right for the football job. But if two, three years down the road, we look at this thing with OU football and it doesn't go well, you can't just say Brent Venables is a terrible coach because it's not true. He's a great coordinator, not a great head coach. I'm not saying that he is. I'm just saying if this whole thing falls apart football wise and things don't go the way that they should, then we might say that. Again, I feel I think Brent's going to be an exceptional head coach. No question about that in my mind. But that's the way you look at it. I mean, some guys are just built for different things. So Mosier can be a great head coach at Notre Dame, most likely, because I, I don't know what basketball is like in the Big Ten. Not Big Ten. Uh, what conference? Are, what conference are they in for basketball? I, they're in the ACC for basketball, I think. Let me let me let me look at this real quick. But anyway. Um, no, he can coach at a school like Notre Dame because, one, it's a little bit closer to home for him. It's it's in that Midwest area. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't – I'm the type of players that he would want, I think, would translate better at Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, they are, on the, they are on the ACC. Okay. So, yeah, ACC basketball would be a little bit better for him than the Big 12. And the other thing is this. I don't know if Mosier really wants to coach in the SEC only because it's like – You've got a, 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 a sure you beat the best team in the SEC a few days ago, but the SEC has a lot of dudes in it, man. Like you, I mean, think about the last few top draft picks. Some of those guys came from the SEC: Anthony Edwards, Jabari Smith, um, 
I know I'm forgetting some names, but there's a ton of athletes in that conference. A lot of players that give OU that would give OU problems. So whether or not Mosier wants to do that is to be determined. Um, you know, I think from a standpoint of I wonder if he feels like personally that he even fits this job because like Porter is one of those people just like us. It's been clamoring for a new arena. He wants it too. And not that he would leave because they won't do it. Like we know they're going to do it at some point, just no matter of when. But another thing is, I mean, it's, it's like this from a, from a perspective of just talent and a style of coaching. You watch this OU basketball team play. There's really nothing like exciting about it. Offensively, they're not just some run and gun, gonna shoot the lights out type offense. They're not that way. They're just like you got to get what you can get. I mean, you're watching Sam Godwin in the Alabama game. Just all he's doing is screening, 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 and screening and screening. There's not a lot of creativity from this basketball team. But, I mean, we'll see how these last few weeks go because I think these last few weeks are going to tell you a lot. Now, I tell you what will tell you a lot is this. The offseason will tell you a lot because if Porter Mosier does stick around for the offseason, whether he leaves or he's fired, who, who knows? If Mosier sticks around for the offseason, if you see a mass exodus of players, then I think you've got a coaching problem because if everybody can return next, Next season, except for Tanner Groves. So if Jalen Hill, Milos Uzan, Otega Owe, um, I mean, goodness, I don't, I don't think Sam Godwin would, but um, I take that back. I mean, just, just about anybody. If anybody, if you have a good amount, if you have a significant amount of contributors leave this offseason, that tells me that this thing's not in good shape at all. And it tells me that it's a Porter Mosher problem. Because you lost, like I said, you lost your two best players last season. Now you come into this year. If you lose some guys, then he's on his last legs. And he's going to have to hit the portal hard. And Porter Mosher is one of those guys that he's been pretty vocal about his disdain for the transfer portal. I know he doesn't like it. And, and from the perspective of guys can just jump in and go when they want to. Uh, not from a fact that like he's not going to recruit out of the portal, but just the fact that he he's going to lose players. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like the fact that teams can just make calls to a player and tamper and stuff like that. Now, like you can look at that, like when you look at it from a football standpoint with Brent Venables, remember when Brent Venables got hired, we did so much talking about how Brent's not going to use the portal. Brent's not going to use NIL. Well, what Brent Venables realized was he absolutely has to, because when he got into this football job, he needed a quarterback. He needed, well, he had a quarterback, but we know how that whole situation went. Uh, you know, I mean, he needed some receivers. He needed needed some guys on defense, like without question. He needed some guys on the, on the offensive line. He needed pieces. He couldn't just live on. And like, I th maybe that was all an assumption, though, because Brent never really came out and said, I don't like the transfer portal. We're not going to go use it. I don't like NIL. We're not going to go use it. We just all assume that was the case because of the way that Clemson did things. But Brent saw how it, how how the game goes now and adjusted to it. And he said, OK, we're going to go hit this thing hard. And they reeled in a really good transfer class this year, as we've covered already. For, for basketball, Porter Mosier 
this offseason has to attack the portal hard. You got to go get some athletes. You got to go get some guys that aren't scared to go out and take the open shots. Some guys that can go out and move the rock. Get some big man. Get a big man. Just one. Get one in the post next to Sam Godwin that can body somebody, that can get their hands up on defense, that can grab a freaking rebound for the love of God. I mean, Baylor and Oklahoma were even in rebounds on Wednesday, but still, it's been a bad thing all season. They're getting out rebounded all the time. So, question one, whether Porter and Mosier makes it to next season or not. I mean, I don't know. His buyout, his buyout's going to be like $6 million, I believe, by like April. Um, but that's to be determined. I mean... I don't want to sit up here and just say fire the fire the crap out of everybody. I just think that he he has some work to do this offseason. And these next few games, really, you just need to see what you've got coming in the future as far as, uh, you know, on my list, you a a a, 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 a Otega away, just anybody you can think of. So uh, moving on from that, we're going to cap it off here with some football talk. Um Last night, news became official that Oklahoma and Texas will head to the Southeastern Conference in 2024. So 2023 will be the final season in the Big 12 Conference. And this comes after just a week ago, we had the discussion of, or not the discussion, but we had the news come out of the two schools would join the SEC in 2025, which was something that was talked about a ton uh, and 2024 was a number that we all heard, I think, just even when this all came out in 2021, because, you know, you had a feeling that these guys were ready to go. And I, I, I didn't read Joe Harris's uh, full statement. Joe Harris, the university parents, parents, university president, for those who don't know, uh, Joe, Joe Harris put out a statement last night. And I believe in that statement, he mentioned something about uh, better game times. And we all know what that equals, right? They're tired of 11 a.m. kickoffs kick just like you are, okay? Uh, and I know a lot of the players will say, like, man, we don't care about 11 a.m. We just want to go play. Yeah, it's fine, but the fans can't stand it, okay? Fans don't like having to get up at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, depending on what type of fan you are. They don't like getting up that early in the morning to go tailgate and do all this other stuff just to get ready to go watch a game at 11 o'clock in the morning. Nobody wants to do that, and they don't do that in the SEC. They do, but they do it like once or twice a year. Not every home game. It's just, uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of mixed opinions on this move. And all I got to say is this. Y'all can whine. Y'all can complain. Y'all can do whatever y'all want to when it comes to this. I'll see y'all at the Grove, okay? Because what you're seeing here is with the SEC move, it's exciting. It's fun. Like, yeah, Bedlam's gone. Sad, boo-hoo, whatever. But you're getting ready to go travel to some really good places. And this isn't even just football. This is all sports, too. I mean, baseball's going to be great. Softball's going to be great. Basketball's going to be great. Whatever. From a football standpoint, you get to go travel to Athens, Georgia. You're going to travel to Tuscaloosa. You're going to travel to College Station. You're going to travel to um, Stark, Vegas. Uh Oxford. I mean, you're going to go see some prime tailgating, be in some really good atmospheres, the Swamp, Baton Rouge. I mean, you're going to go see some good football. Now, here's the deal. 2023 is going to have to be a real 
balls to the wall season because it's your last one. So one, you know, everywhere you go on the road, it's going to be hell for you because like, like I tweeted last night, you go up to Oklahoma state last bedlam in Stillwater for a long time. That's going to be a game where Oklahoma's going to need maximum security. And if you lose that game, Lord help everybody. That's an OU fan. Okay. Uh, I mean, you're lucky you're not going to Kansas state this year. You're not going to Baylor this year. So you ain't got to worry about that anymore. But, When you watch that national championship game, as I mentioned on the past episode before, you see there's a huge gap between the two conferences from a, from a talent perspective. The SEC is different, okay? Like, you can complain about people wanting to munch on the SEC all they want to, but the SEC is different just from a, a point in the trenches. Like, like I said, I think two or three episodes ago, I said something about how the number one thing you need in the SEC is you need good line play. You have to have a great D-line. You have to have a great O-line. Oklahoma's building something with that, but it's got to pick up steam come 2024. Because if you go into that conference in 2024 and you get the floor beat in, then things ain't going to be pretty. That ain't saying somebody's going to be fired. I'm just saying. I think the move is great for both schools. Um, and I mean, if you still don't realize why the move is being made, I mean, I'm going to put it to you simple, okay? It's all about dollar signs. Like, that's that's money makes the world go round. That shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Oklahoma is is tired of these, like I said, they're tired of these terrible kickoff times. Uh, and just from a money standpoint and all that, I mean, you, you're getting ready to go play some good competition. Like, I don't know about y'all, but here was my dilemma with the Big 12. I like winning the conference all the time. Take the 2021 season out of the equation, or 2022 season. Well, and the 21 season, too, because they didn't win it. But I like winning the conference. I like beating teams left and right. But at some point, you got to want to compete, too. Like, you got to want to go play some of these really good teams. Because, again, a common thing with this Oklahoma team when they were in the playoffs was you would run through the Big 12 and you would beat all these teams. And then when you went and go played an SEC squad, they made you look like JV. Well, now you're getting ready to go play the gauntlet every weekend during the season, minus Vanderbilt. You're getting ready to go play the gauntlet every weekend. That's going to prepare you. Uh, I mean, season one. In the SEC, your starting quarterback, Jackson Arnold, Texas is going to have a, well, Quinn Ewers will be a junior by then, right? Well, technically, he would be. I forgot he enrolled early, but, or not early, he reclassified. So he's technically a junior this year, but still. Um, Arch Manning, let's just say Arch Manning starting by then, Jackson Arnold starting by then. So the two golden boys for each school will be starting quarterbacks at that point, which makes the Red River aspect so much fun. but. Just from like a fan standpoint, you got to be excited for it. Like I said, you're getting ready to travel to some really good places. Tailgating is going to be off the chain. And that's another thing that's going to have to change. Like on-field stuff, facilities, yeah, all that. But tailgating needs to improve. Because if you let these fools from Ole Miss or Georgia or, God forbid, Alabama and their fan base or Texas A&M, whoever, you let any of these schools come into Norman and they see the way that these that the way that they let us tailgate, that's going to be embarrassing. You don't want that spotlight. Joe, both Joes, and, I, and I'm pretty sure, like, I think Joe Castiglione, it was, it was Castiglione or Harris. One of the Joes came out uh, when the whole Lindsey Street thing was going on. They, they came out saying something about, uh, 
they want to do it like Joe Castiglione wants to have tailgating on Lindsay and all that. Cause I mean, a few years ago when tailgating was quite frankly murdered on Lindsay street, that wasn't a Castiglione decision. I think that was a decision that, yeah, that was definitely a decision that came from above him. Cause David Bourne was the president at the time. So that was, that was a decision that came from his boss. Now, I believe Castiglione said that he wants it, but it's not up to him. Or it's like the powers that be above him want these things or are not allowing it. So hopefully that stuff improves. But uh, that's all we got on the schedule today. Um, Like I said. This meeting is being recorded. To discuss this week uh, as not a lot happening for the football program, as I mentioned. I mean, good news. Is nobody got arrested, right? Like that's always a win, isn't it? But um, just some quick page news. So uh, if you guys are not following the Instagram at Center Sports Daily, I put this out last Sunday that the page name will be changing just for a better uh, branding and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you if you want to know more about that, go check out the caption, and we'll it'll kind of explain the entire thing. Uh, with the website, we want to do a lot of baseball stuff, a lot of softball stuff this offseason. We want to explain it because you can't be Sooner Sports Daily and only cover one sport, right? So we're going to uh, add some more hats to the collection in the next few weeks. We're bringing some people on to the page that will be contributing that kind of stuff for the website and stuff like that. And we're still in the process of getting that on. And baseball does start soon. So um, we'll get on that as soon as possible. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in, man. You guys already know the rules. Uh, make sure you guys share it, leave a rating and review, do whatever you want to do. Give us some feedback because all feedback is appreciated. Make sure you're following the Twitter account at the Blitz period and the Instagram at the Blitz period as well. We've got a new page out, by the way. Um, Oklahoma City Thunder Basketball, too, is one of our new markets. Uh, Bricktown underscore hoops on Instagram. Make sure you give that a follow and we'll see you on those accounts and as well as my Twitter account, underscore Jalen Ross. And so, uh, but yeah, that's all we got today. Boys taking on Kansas tomorrow night. I did not even mention the women's basketball program. Just a quick shout out to Jenny Baranchek and the women's basketball team. We'll talk more about them uh, in the in the weeks to come because I just didn't have time to fit it on the schedule today. But shout out to Jenny from the block and the work that she's been doing with that program. They're playing really good basketball right now. They actually got a really good win over Baylor the day before the boys played him. So, and the down of that game came back, got the win. Maddie Williams has been exceptional all season. So shout out to the girls. Taylor Robinson broke the record uh, a week or two ago. So um, much love to the women's basketball team. They're doing it. They're, they've done an, except, an exceptional job. I cannot talk today, but um, yeah, we'll hit it hard next week. We'll, we'll get on some more softball. We'll get on some more football and find as much info as we can. And we appreciate you guys tuning in once again. And we'll see y'all next week. Boomer soon. Thank you for listening to The Blitz Period with Jalen Ross, presented by BNM Media and Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter.